Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. This morning, we are delighted to have with us uh, our great friends Rick and Bev Howe from North Carolina. They were here about five years ago. That's been a long time. And uh, they're coming, Rick's coming this, month, this morning to bring the Word of God. Bev, would you stand and let us welcome you today, too, please? Rick's a great preacher of the Word. Come, brother. Great preacher of the Word. I want you to open your heart and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you today as Rick brings God's Word. Bless you, buddy. Thank you, Pastor Steve. What a joy to be here in the, the house of the Lord. Something's changed since I was last here. You've changed your name. It's a reflection of your character. All nations. I'm telling you, Beverly and I this morning, we're sitting here. Beverly said, I just love the diversity of the house. Give God praise for the diversity that's here Hallelujah. This is kind of sort of what heaven's going to look like. Amen. You know, it would be a boring place if all of heaven looked just like my gorgeous self. You know, that just, that wouldn't make it really. Um, thank you for acknowledging uh, Beverly. I call her the babe. She's the beauty and I'm the beast. We have our lives. I heard that. Amen. Our lives have been so enriched by your pastor and first lady for decades now. What a joy it is to have them as choice friends and servants of the Most High God, and especially as they lead you here in this house. We, we, we believe for the transformation of Tallahassee and the region. Amen? And I tell you, if y'all keep praying prayers like have been prayed this morning, and if you continue to worship, you're going to see the transformation. Hallelujah. Hey, we're not just going to see it. We are seeing it. Amen. It's in the present as well as our future. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I've been looking this morning. Is my friend Terrell Todd in the house? Where are you at, Terrell? Are you here this morning? Right back here. Beloved brother in Christ, uh, great man of God. Um, he claims to have recently retired, but he has already immersed himself in the ministry of encouraging and blessing and helping others in the faith. And Terrell and Kathy Todd are just wondrous friends. Kathy was Bev's roommate in college. Terrell and I served together as we went through the School of Christian Ministries at Emmanuel College up in Georgia. And uh, God bless you, Terrell. So great to have you in the house today. His father, some of you may recall his, his wonderful father, John Todd. What a man of God. What a great evangelist. I've had him in my churches a number of times through the years. And John is now rejoicing in the reward that he assured us we all have when we make heaven our home. Hallelujah. He and his precious wife. So thank you, Terrell, for gracing the house this morning and being here. Praise God. Well, you're going to have to listen fast because I got a lot of stuff to say this morning, okay? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. 
Galatians chapter 5, a passage of scripture that has meant so very much to me um, throughout the course of my life and my ministry. Uh, this, this verse impacted me back in my college days and has been near and dear to me uh, throughout. Let us read that uh, first verse together there in Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. My message this morning is the freedom of forgiveness. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your word. It's an eternal word. And we know that when the written word becomes the spoken word, it becomes the creative word. And I ask you, to, dear God, this morning to create within each and every heart this whole atmosphere of what we're going to talk today about, the freedom of forgiveness. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Anybody ever been hurt in your life? <laughs> I mean, if you're breathing, you've been hurt. Amen. But you know, there's no hurt like church hurt. Good gracious. When a brother or a sister hurts you, arms you, fails you, wounds you. Oh, it just goes so deep. But I want you to know this morning, there, there is a resolution to that hurt. Hallelujah. There's a balm in Gilead. Amen. A balm in Gilead that can heal every hurt, every harm we've ever experienced. Praise the Lord. John chapter 8, the word tells us that the Son has set us free. We are free indeed. My friend, I want you to know this morning, if you have been bound, if you've been in the yoke of bondage, of unforgiveness, Jesus has come to set you free. He's here in this house. He's here in this room today to set you free. You're going to leave here a changed person. You cannot encounter the word of God and remain unchanged. You're going to be moved. You're going to be transformed. And we believe today that God is going to wondrously work in our hearts and in our lives. Have you ever struggled with unforgiveness in your life? I've got four Four points, and that's, that's just my introduction. I've got four points I want to share with you very quickly. Number one, forgiveness is not something you have to wait for someone to ask you for. Forgiveness is something that we yield, that we surrender, that we give. Secondly, forgiveness is not a conditional contract. We don't forgive people providing they reciprocate in such a fashion that we feel it is appropriate. Here's what uh, Luke 23, 34 says. Father, now Jesus, remember, is hanging on a cross. And he's saying about those who have crucified him, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Many times in life, brothers and sisters, those who are in the world, wound us, hurt us, harm us and they don't know what they're doing they don't ultimately know what they're doing but sometimes they do wound us because they do know what they're doing they know what their purpose is is to hurt us to harm us to hinder us but hear me this morning beloved no matter what hurt has come your way the father has a remedy for it he has something to heal your wounded heart in the midst of his suffering on the cross Jesus continued to exemplify the importance of forgiveness. Even 
when life is not going well. I don't imagine that any of us in the house have been hurt as severely as Jesus was. Can you imagine his agony on the cross? I mean, not just in the physical sense, his agony within his spirit. And uh, it was a horrible thing. And yet Jesus from the cross is saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Then thirdly, you need to know this morning that real forgiveness is not retaliation. <laughs> Sometimes we, we can forgive with our wrath, amen? <laughs> I had a deacon tell me one time, young man, if I had you outside, I'd straighten you out. He wanted to fix me up and cure me of the ills, the maladies that I had in that board meeting that night. But you know what? I forgave him. And you know what? He's in heaven today. He's in heaven in part because I forgave him. Don't let unforgiveness hinder your enemies from making heaven their home. Would you hear me? Now it takes a lot. It takes a lot to forgive. And we're going to deal with that this morning. And then fourthly, real forgiveness does not minimize the seriousness of the offense. I know that this morning some of you would be saying, but Pastor Rick, you don't know how deeply they hurt me. You don't know how spitefully they have used me. You just don't know the harm that has been done to me. One of the things that, uh, of the many discussions that Pastor Steve and I have had this week is the horrendous malady that many of our armed service members experience when they come back from war, to, war zones suffering from PTSD. It would seem to me that if we can spend billions and trillions in going into other countries and trying to do a reconstruct of their nation, that we can invest a few trillion in those of us who have served and suffered from PTSD. Instead of isolating them somewhere in some God-forsaken ward and just hoping somehow, someway on their own, they'll recover. Well, I've got a message this morning that will enable and help them to recover, but I want you to know this morning that our government owns a great debt of gratitude to those who have served. We all do, amen? Our heroes, our heroines, they deserve our consideration and everything we can do to assist and to help them. Genesis chapter 50 tells an incredible story. It's my wife's uh, favorite Bible character story. In Genesis chapter 50, Joseph said to his brethren, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. I don't know if there are any Josephs in the crowd like we have from Genesis chapter 50, but may I assure you this morning, the injustice, the hurt, and the harm that you are experiencing may well be part of God's greater plan for the salvation of many souls. It proved, in jo Joseph's case, to be the salvation of a nation. So my friend, if you've been hurt, if you've been harmed, if you've been served in injustice in your life, understand that God's greater purpose may be channeling through your life for the glory of God and the upbuilding of his kingdom. Amen. And besides this, like I told you last time, there are some times we just need to suck it up. You know, get over it. 
get over it. Some, some believers just want to nurse that injury or that hurt all the rest of their days. And it grows from something very small and insignificant to something huge and large that they can throw their arm around. And they'll say to you, Pastor, let me introduce you to my injury. Let me introduce you to my injustice. Ain't nobody seen the trouble I've seen. Nobody's been hurt like I've been. Get over it. I learned a real lesson this morning. Incidentally, this fellowship has a wonderful gift of hospitality. And Pastor Steve and Yvonne uh, assigned two hospitality agents to help us this morning back in his office. Zachary and Zoe came in to take care of Miss Bev and I. And I found out that they just really know how to make a person feel right at home because they made themselves right at home. They were in pastor's desk. They were on his chair. They were running all around. Zachary found a set of handcuffs. I've got to ask Steve what that's all about after service. And so he came and he locked me up. And then he got his little sister and he held her down and he locked her up. And she went crying to Pastor Steve. He's locked me up with these handcuffs. Steve said, come here. And he sat her on his lap. And he took a key and he turned it in that handcuff. And it sprang loose. And she got up and ran free. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There's a key, there's a key that will set you free from the handcuffs of unforgiveness. It's the key of forgiveness. It'll set you free like it did little Zoe. And she ran so full of life. She was cutting cartwheels. She was doing somersaults. She was hiding behind the chair and we were trying to find her. She'd been set free. Friend, this morning, if you allow the precious Holy Spirit and the Word of God to work in your heart, it'll set you free. Forgiveness will set you free. Hallelujah. Don't harbor the unforgiveness. Don't harbor that hurt or that harm or that injustice. Let it go. This next point in my, my message is forgive and remember. I've got that there because how many of you have ever heard the expression forgive and forget? <laughs> you know, we say that like it's Bible, but it's not. <laughs> God never asked us to forget. What he did ask us to do is forgive. Forgive. And I know this, when we can bring ourselves to the place and render, unforgive, render forgiveness for unforgiveness that we have harbored towards someone, there'll be the attendant emancipation of our lives like it was for little Zoe. And I wanna, I wanna say to you this morning, there's no reason for anybody to leave this house with hurt, hurt or bitterness or anger or unforgiveness in your heart. Jesus is here to set you free this morning. And we're gonna take some time for that being set free this morning. That's all right, that's permissible, Pastor. We're gonna take time for people to be set free this morning. And I must hurry. You know, all of us can learn to forgive, but it's difficult to forget. Joseph even said to his brothers, you intended to harm me. 
In fact, they really intended to do more than just harm him. They, they would have been glad to kill him. Remember the story? Go back and read Genesis 45 through 50. We don't have time this morning. They, they wanted to do more than harm him. Been, they would have been glad to kill him. In fact, they told their father the story that he had been killed by a wild animal. They perpetrated not only an injury on their brother, but they lied to their father and thought they were off scot-free. And then years later, the whole unfolding. And Joseph said to them, you intended to harm me. When somebody hurts you, you may think, if I forgive them, then I'm gonna have to trust them. And I have to let them back in my life. But I want you to know this about forgiveness, beloved. And hear me this morning, this is an important part because it is a process. Trust is something that has to be rebuilt. If you forgive someone, that doesn't mean that immediately you trust them as though nothing has ever happened. Trust will have to be rebuilt. Have to be rebuilt. Forgiveness is built on grace and it's unconditional. You don't do it because they deserve it. You do it because it's what God has done for you. Amen. What Christ has done, what God has done for us through Christ. Hallelujah. Get that picture in your mind. Well, what happens in life when life pressures us? Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, bear with one another, forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. We have to learn to bear with one another. And we are required... It's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. We are to forgive one another. Again, you say, but Rick, you don't know how badly they hurt me. He, he was mean, he was ugly. She was mean, she was ugly. God's word says forgive. God's word says forgive. In fact, if you have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer, you catch the significance of forgiveness when you pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Here's a little insight, brilliance at its best. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Now, this is not a Rick Haug prayer. This is Jesus Christ's prayer. And he taught us to pray. Forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. My friend, I want to stand before Jesus Christ fully forgiven because I have been forgiving. Amen. And that's, a, that's, a, that's an important lesson. It is a challenging lesson. It is a difficult lesson. But nonetheless, it's required of all of us. God not only wants us to live that way, he wants us to pray that way. Peter got all full of himself one day, went to Jesus. Their custom, their culture, and their laws required them to forgive somebody for a transgression three times. So Peter, the simple fisherman and mathematician that he was, he said, well, I'll double that and I'll ask, add one. He said to Jesus, am I supposed to forgive somebody who's transgressed against me seven times? I mean, he's ready for the big whoop, whoop. You got it, Pete. You got it. 
Jesus said to Peter, I'm talking to you, son, 70 times seven. 490 times over the same incident in the same day. We struggle that with once a day, don't we? <laughs> the master made it plain. 490 times over one incident in one day. Peter took home a life lesson that day. You know, he's just busting his buttons seven times. <laughs> seven times, Lord. Uh, check your math, Peter. 490 times. Once, son, get that. And Peter got it. Peter got it. I'm grateful for that. In Matthew chapter 18, just after Jesus had given Peter this great instruction, he went on to illustrate a story of an individual, a great king, very wealthy, and there was an accounting given of all the treasures that were to be had, and it was revealed that a steward had absconded with a lot of money, owed a lot of money, and uh, so the king called the steward in. I, I, I've read this, I didn't do the calculations, but I've, I've been told, as I've read, that this guy owed a billion dollars to the king. And the resolution for that, since he had no money, was that he and his wife and his kids were all gonna go to prison. Wow. But the king had mercy. And he forgave this unjust steward. And you know the rest of the story. He went away forgiven. But then he remembered that somebody owed him about 150 bucks. He went and grabbed him by the throat, said, pay me what you owe me. Guy says, I can't pay you. He threw him in the slammer. Other servants who observed that story unfolding were so grieved they went and told the king. And the king took the first unjust steward and thrust he and his wife and his children into prison. Beloved, if we want to be forgiven, we have to forgive. We have to forgive. You know, I was reminded of something that happened probably 40-something years ago in my life, just a few weeks ago. I was reflecting on life and ministry, and I remembered when I was bivocational up in Orange County, North Carolina, and I remember that a coworker had come to me and uh, sang a, a pitiful story and needed some financial help. And um, Beverly and I had $150 in savings, so I, I loaned this coworker of mine 100 bucks. Gonna pay you back, preach, gonna pay you back. I've yet to see that $100, and I never will see that $100. But at some point in time, I had to forgive that $100. It, it weighed on me. At that time, that was two-thirds of our life savings. That, when, when you're a preacher and you're starting out making 80 bucks a week, 150 bucks is a lot of money. <laughs> and so I'd given loan 100 and, and it wasn't coming back. And I had to learn forgiveness there. You know, at this point in time in my life, $100 is still a, a very nice gesture, but it is just $100. But I had to forgive that man, even as Christ had forgiven me. Because trust me, like just the parable, the story that Jesus related, I owed a billion dollars in comparison. I owed a billion dollars. And one night in Franklin Springs, Georgia, Jesus in his infinite love and mercy reached down and touched my heart and he forgave me of all that I owed the sin debt.
We used to sing a chorus years ago. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Jesus did that for you and for me. Forgiveness is a glorious thing, and I must hasten on. There are two things that happen when you realize your debt. First of all, you'll fall to your knees, and you'll ask forgiveness. Or secondly, you'll go into slavery. If you're harboring unforgiveness this morning, my friend, I'm telling you, you're enslaved. You're in what the apostle Paul Paul called a yoke of bondage. You're bound, and the only person who's going to free you is you. I can't free you. Pastor Steve can't free you. As much as we would like to, we cannot free you. It's in your hand. The key is in your hand. Just, just like little Zoe was chained this morning. She, was, she, she, she couldn't get free. She had to have a key that had turned her loose. And guess what? The key was attached to the handcuff. How about that? Your unforgiveness is attached to your forgiveness. Get the key out this morning. Insert it in the lock. Set yourself free. Hallelujah. Paul said to the church at Colossae, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Jesus is the master of forgiveness. He nailed it to his cross 2,000 years ago. You know, when someone doesn't forgive, it's like being stuck in the past. Bitterness does that to you. And bitterness is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. It's not going to happen. It's not going to. If you don't practice forgiving others, beloved, you will never fully become what you were created to be. You'll never realize your destiny. My wife was sharing with me a, a reminder. I told her what I was going to be speaking on today, and she reminded me of when we were first married. Well, does that, does that suggest we were being married more than once? Just after we'd been married, we, we were living in a little house, a little two-room house, and uh, oh man, it was, it was glorious. She didn't have far to run. I could track her down all the time, two houses. And then six months into the marriage, um, we, uh, we added to the family, not the way some of you are thinking. I brought a Doberman Pinscher home. So it was pretty difficult for two adults and one baby Doby to live in one house. So we needed another larger apartment or house to live in. So we got to looking and lo and behold, if one of the most beautiful houses in the area had a brand new apartment fixed in it. I remember it had beautiful blue carpet in it and it was stunning. It had everything in it that we needed. And uh, it belonged to the sister of a coworker of Beverly's and I don't know if that's how we found out about it, but anyhow, we went to check it out and uh, okay, we're gonna get this apartment and man, we're gonna have so much room and everything. 
They, they even had a nice TV in it, and when they were gone, we were welcome to come upstairs and watch the Atlanta Braves play on their large screen. Oh, it was going to be heaven. And then something happened, and the uh, homeowner said to Beverly, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to rent this apartment to you because my sister and her husband have need of it. Beverly's co-worker, unbeknownst to us, her co-worker had gone behind our backs and said, hey, we want that apartment. And so family being family, they got the apartment. It crushed Beverly. Um, it didn't bother me quite as much, but nonetheless, the hurt, the harm was there, okay? And that thing lingered, and it was just like on a daily basis. Bev's nose would get rubbed in it because she was working with this person. And the Holy Spirit started speaking to her heart about something that had begun to take place in her heart. The root of bitterness had begun to grow up. And one day, another co-worker, precious friend, said, have you seen our co-worker? And the Holy Spirit had already been telling Beverly she needed to call and ask forgiveness. Now, Beverly is the one who'd been harmed, but she was to call and ask forgiveness. And so when a third party said, have you talked to so-and-so? Beverly knew that confirmation. She got home and she called on the phone and explained to the lady who had uh, robbed the apartment from us. And the lady on the other end of the line said, oh, Beverly, said, you don't know how much I've wanted to talk to you. But I knew I'd hurt you. I knew you'd, I'd harmed you. And I didn't know how you would respond. And Beverly said, well, I'm calling asking your forgiveness because I've held something in my heart against you. And you know, in that moment, there was a reconciliation on the telephone. And there was an instant healing. And there was a process that went from there. And Beverly's heart was healed. And later we learned, came to find out that that apartment was just laden, very problematic. There was a leaking gas valve and they had constant recurring headaches, and there was one thing after another went wrong with that apartment. But nothing was so wrong as what had set up in Beverly's heart until she had the courage after the conviction of the Holy Spirit to call and ask forgiveness. Friends, all of us can hold unforgiveness in our hearts. All of us can be guilty of harboring something, holding on to something, but I want you to know that this morning that Jesus wants to set us free from that. Matthew chapter 6, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Ooh, strong word. I want to be forgiven. You want to be forgiven? All right. I'm very, very quickly going to, and listen, lunch is going to be great, Okay. Lunch is going to be great. The food will be as good at one as if we're eating it at 12, okay? And the steak will be just as tender at 12.30 as at 1.30. I mean, 1.30 is at 12.30, okay? Okay, I'm going to hurriedly go through this. Understand this. When we allow the root of bitterness to take place and settle in our hearts, and when it begins to spring up, bitterness will turn to anger. Anger will proceed beyond that and establish a hard heart. It starts with a hurt. It becomes bitterness. 
And then it progresses to being the hard heart. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says to us, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Some of you have, maybe you came in the house of the Lord this morning, you had rage and anger that's been burning in your heart maybe for decades. I'm here today to tell you that King Jesus is here to put the key in your handcuffs and set you free this morning. All bitterness, all envy, all rage, all malice, brawling, slander, along with every other form of malice. That's an all-inclusive statement. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. I've had this picture in my mind for some, some weeks now of the Heavenly Father looking through the eyes of Jesus as he hung on the cross that day. Can you imagine the heart of the Father, the grief that he was experiencing, the hurt that he had as he knew his son's physical suffering. He knew of his son's physical pain. And as he looked through the eyes of his son at those who were assembled on the ground around Calvary that day, the Father forgave all those who were assembled there and all of us who have ever lived before or are living now. God, for Christ's sake, forgave all of us. Let me tell you something. God could not be God if he had not forgiven through his son, Jesus Christ. God can't ask you and I to forgive if he wasn't willing to forgive. And oh, what he forgave. Think of that. All right? Here are five steps, and they, they are not original with me, but here's five steps in the process of forgiveness. I hope you'll just jot these down and reflect on these in the days and weeks to come. They'll help you. Because understand this this morning, forgiveness is a process. Okay, we charismatics and Pentecostals, we, we, have a, we have a problem with process sometimes because we're crisis oriented, aren't we, in our theology. You get saved right now. You know, if you're of the Wesleyan perception or persuasion, you get sanctified right now. If you're classical Pentecostal, you get filled with the Holy Spirit right now. If we pray for your healing, you get healed right now. We're crisis-oriented in our theology because that's what faith motivates us to do. Believe right now for salvation, sanctification, baptism, healing, whatever. Crisis-oriented. But the reality is, when it comes to forgiveness, it's a process. It's going to take some time. You know, even our denomination modified their position on holiness because they realized, yes, it's a crisis experience, but it's also a progressive thing. And that's exactly what it is. The sanctifying work works all the rest of our life. We're going to be in the process of being sanctified all the way until the time we stand before Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that means in that process, we're going to be forgiving time and time and time and time again. All right, let's look at these five things. And I, I found out these things are not original with me. And when I researched them, I found they're not original with the guy I heard them from. The only original... Language, I guess, really on forgiveness is coming in this book right here. So that's a good platform. Okay, 
quickly now. Here are five things. Step number one, acknowledge the hurt. You ever know somebody been hurt and you went to them and they say, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm fine. The first step is to acknowledge the hurt. Yeah, that hurt. That's deep. I was wounded. Sometimes they're still bleeding. Sometimes we're still bleeding. Amen. First of all, we need to acknowledge the hurt. I heard of a guy who was just eaten up with anxiety, a pastor. And he went to a therapist and was explaining all the manifestations and symptoms of anxiety in his life. And the first thing the therapist said, well, I want you to take a piece of paper and a pen. I want you to write down all your grievances. God says, I'm not here for grievances. I'm here for anxiety. He said, your grievances have caused your anxiety. Your grievances, the things that you've carried, the unforgiveness that you've harbored in your heart all these years. And I mean, it was a litany of things that had transpired in that, that guy's life. He said, your grievances are causing your anxiety. So we have to, first of all, acknowledge the hurt. You cannot forgive what you cannot acknowledge. So you have to face it, you have to, you have to feel it, and then you have to forgive it. Secondly, surrender your rights to punishment. Romans chapter 12, verses 17, 18, and 19. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, I will repay, saith the Lord. Beloved, we cannot control people with unforgiveness. Forgiveness is about freedom. Forgiveness is not justifying the injustice. It is not letting people off the hook or a guarantee of reconciliation or a guarantee that we're going to do life together just like we did previously. Somebody hurt you, harmed you deeply. It doesn't mean that everybody, everything's just going to be hunky-dory from then on. But you've got to acknowledge the hurt and then surrender your right to punish. You know, you just sometimes that fist wants to ball up. Those accusatory words, that sharp tongue, you'd just like to like, take a razor and just lace in them with your tongue. But you have to surrender your right to punish. And then thirdly, be open to reconciliation. Again, Romans 12, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Remember this, forgiveness is on you. It's something that you do. Forgiveness is something that you do. Fellowship is something that you do with the person who offended you. After you've forgiven them, then you can move into fellowship. It's something that you do together if and only there is true repentance and change. You have to honor that person. You have to respect that person. Joseph's brother in uh, Genesis owned up to what they had done and they came to their brother and they said we were wrong you know if you've been wronged in your life my friend uh, I can relate to I've been wronged in my life I've been wronged in ministry um, 
I've, I've gone separate ways from a couple of pastorates. But I've learned this, unless I'm willing to forgive, I can't be forgiven. That's just the way it is. And so we have to choose to forgive. And when we choose to forgive, we're allowing the process of forgiveness to release them, turn them loose. Think about that. Joseph's brother said, we were wrong. Here's a practical admonition that the Apostle Paul said to his young protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2. Don't have anything to do with foolishness and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. In Titus 3, 9 through 11, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because they're unprofitable, they're useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time, and after that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. God's word, not mine. So in endeavoring to be reconciled and to render forgiveness to people, you do everything that you can possibly do with, and then you have to leave it to God. Amen? It's up to God dealing with their hearts, and it's up to them to turn the key that God provides them in terms of forgiveness on their end. And then step number five, pray for divine help. Mm. This whole idea of forgiveness is not an easy thing. In fact, it certainly is not a fleshly thing. It's a spiritual thing. Lord, forgive them. In fact, Jesus is so interested in forgiveness, he included it in the model prayer. He wants us to pray forgiveness every day in our lives. 2 Corinthians 13, finally, brethren and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. That's a great uh, term of consolation to us. When we render forgiveness, we will live in forgiveness. God's word tells us that his grace is sufficient for us. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Some of you are saying this morning, Pastor Rick, there's no way I can forgive the severity of that hurt, that harm, that injustice. I can't do it. I know you can't. I've tried in the past. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. But by God's help and God's grace, we can. Amen? This whole idea of forgiveness. After uh, uh, Jesus had taught Peter his lesson on forgiveness, and then he told the story of the unjust steward. I mean, the rest of the disciples are sitting there, probably their mouths are hanging open, and they're saying, Lord, how can we possibly be loving and forgiving with the comparison of that massive debt, that insignificant debt? How, how can we possibly? And Jesus' answered to them, he said, with man it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Right now, the enemy may have come to you during the course of this message, and he has been whispering in your mind and saying to you, it's impossible for you to forgive that hurt. That was too great. That was too big. In fact, you've nursed that to, from a little bitty thing now into a great big thing. That's your hurt. 
That's your unforgiveness and you don't have to get rid of it. Oh, my friend, contrary, we do. We are commanded to forgive as Christ forgave us. Paul said to the Colossians, you must do also. So here's what we do. I ask you to stand with me this morning. You have to acknowledge the hurt. Surrender your right to punish. Pray for folks. Be open to reconciliation. And then pray for divine help. Some of you are going to have to probably come to the altar this morning and ask for divine enablement to forgive. Because again, forgiveness is a process. Starts in a crisis moment, but it progresses. And, and some of you have held a hurt or a harm or unforgiveness for so long, it's just like it's another part of your body. And the Lord's here this morning. He wants to set you free. Holy Spirit is coming to you this morning and reminding you of the great work that Christ did for you at Calvary, what he forgave you of. And of the Lord Jesus Christ is nudging us all by his spirit this morning. He said, I want you to forgive also. I want you to forgive also. With heads bowed, eyes closed. Respect for everybody around you. My friend, is there anyone in the house who's brave enough to say, Pastor Rick, I'm struggling with this whole matter of unforgiveness and, and I need help. I need help. Is there anybody who would just slip up their hand and say, Pastor Rick, I need help. I need you to pray with me about this. Amen, amen, yes, amen, 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 yes, amen. Anyone else? Amen, thank you. Thank you for boldness. Now I'm going to do something because I want to preserve the anonymity for each and every one of you who raised your hand. I want to invite everyone that's so impressed. You come forward to the altar this morning and let's seek the Lord's enablement for this whole process of forgiveness. We cannot do it in and of ourselves. Jesus, the greatest authority said, with man's impossible, but with God all things are possible. So if you'd slip out from where you are and come down, if you're the one who needs to exercise that key of forgiveness in the handcuffs of unforgiveness, then I encourage you to just pray that right there where you are. And if you're standing near someone and they you, you don't know their situation, maybe they're struggling with that, just say a prayer for them too. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Anyone else want to come down? Father, I thank you today for my brothers and sisters who stand here before us. I bless them in your holy name. And Lord, in a figurative way, I put the key of forgiveness into each one of their hearts. And I ask them, Lord Jesus, to enable them to reach and turn that key and unlock themselves from that unforgiveness, that hurt, that harm, that injustice, that painful thing that has bound them. What Paul called the yoke of bondage. I ask you to break that yoke of bondage off of each and every brother and sister in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare over each and every one a release. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask you, Father God, to release my sister. Release my sister. Release my sister. Release my brother. Release my sister. Hallelujah. Release my sister. Release my sister. 
release my brother in Jesus name hallelujah forgiveness is flowing beloved hallelujah church pray church pray is working hallelujah in the name of Jesus Christ forgiveness in my sister's life forgiveness for my sister forgiveness in my brother's heart forgiveness in my sister's life in the name of Jesus Christ we come into agreement with our brothers and sisters and we declare that that hurt that harm that injustice that pain that suffering that crutching thing that thing that has bedeviled them for maybe years in the name of Jesus is broken by forgiveness that only Christ provides in us and through us and Lord I pray that from this day forward the whole process of unforgiveness will develop and mature and grow for the glory of God for the glory of God and my brothers and sisters should I ever pass this way again will come rejoicing to me and saying Rick I remember the day that I got my forgiveness in Tallahassee Florida and I've been walking in the freedom of forgiveness ever since hallelujah bless your brothers and sisters this morning remember them hold them up and praise God for their deliverance thank you Pastor Rick come on sing it out Tom made it to the end of the message and now what is God leading you to make a change are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit our Sunday morning service is at 10:30 and Wednesday night service at 7 plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.